0: Watch that talk.
1: We are back at it. This is part two of For the Cult Uh-oh. Why watch that's recommendation for Black History Month? Black on black on black on black. <laughs> we black. <laughs> and we are back with part two of our Black History recommendations. Again, this is not an exhaustive list. This is not a list that is ranked in any way. We're going to have more of this. But for right now, we are focusing on TV shows. Oh. Black TV shows. Do they make those?
0: Um... I think so. Isn't that what BET is for?
1: Listen, BET, (laughs) all the ETs, everybody's in on it. We've got some good shows to recommend. Some of them we know that y'all are already watching. Some of them you may need to revisit a little bit. So let's start with (laughs) a TV show that sometimes after you watch it, you go, what did I just see? Mm. What happened? Mm. Do I, I, I don't understand what just happened, but I know something did. And we're talking about none other than FX's Atlanta. Yeah. This is Donald Glover's baby. Whoa. And we've got Lakeith Sandfield in full effect. Uh your boy Ty uh what's his name?
0: Brian Tyree Henry. Brian
1: Tyree Henry? You got ZZ Bates. Like who are what and when and why where?
0: Yeah. And I mean, this is a show that keeps reinventing itself. Uh, You know what? It's an experience. Yeah, it is. That's what it is. And I just want to say that I love Brian Tyree Henry. (laughs) You're
1: a paper boy.
0: Paper boy and everything else he's done. Continue to look out for him, everybody. I suspect that an Oscar nomination is in his future.
1: Oh, not (laughs) It should be in his present. Uh, yeah, it is. But I suspect an Oscar win. Mm. I'm definitely there. But we do know that Donald Glover has been taking home various accolades yeah. for Atlanta. So if you have yet to check it out, just have an open mind. If you are not part of the culture and you're watching this, have an open mind. It is offbeat.
0: Yeah. Even if you are part of the culture. <laughs> 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 uh, no. So next to our list is Networks Finest. Now, which network is this? It looks like it's ABC because we have blackish mm. on this list. Now we have talked about blackish from the beginning.
1: Yeah, we have.
0: We know that the title tells us the kind of family we're dealing with here. <laughs> and you know what? The, the last episode they dealt with colorism. Oh, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs>
1: actually it was really good did you like that i did i
0: did i thought that was a strong episode and if you don't know what colorism is everybody it's basically in the black community depending on the actual cue of blackness you have <laughs> you might be treated in certain ways
1: so, by your own by, by your own people mm-hmm. so
0: it was interesting the way they did that in their own blackish way and this is when the show is at its best when they tackle those thorny issues but they are able to do it in a way that not only educates certain people yeah but also keeps it fun
1: absolutely and i can i really say it, it you do miss zoe not being in blackish you know what she's doing we'll get to that mm-hmm. yep. but i really enjoy junior a lot <laughs> i think that actor marcus is he's amazing and we just keep that up but let's go to cable's finest now. Hmm. With this, you get away with a lot more than what you can on the network, <laughs> and of course, we're talking about the breakout hit, the critically acclaimed hit on HBO Insecure by Issa Ray, Larry Wilmore. They're the ones bringing it to you. Uh, Prentice uh, is also one of the show run- runners on it. You've got people coming in and out Jay Ellis, Yvonne Orgy, of course we know Issa uh, is in there, herself it, it just really is one of those shows that I think really needs, to, and it's no rhyme intended, but needs to be on HBO Like yeah. it is a great HBO um, find for them to have to house Insecure.
0: Absolutely I still enjoy it and I do want to give a shout-out to my boy, Neil Brown Jr.
1: Hey!
0: Oh! So, well, after that, in the same category here... It's,
1: this is new. This is new.
0: Season 3...
1: Yes, we need to specify.
0: <laughs> yeah, season 3, otherwise, you could be like, what? Season 3 of True Detective.
1: Why? Oh. Why? Why would you put that on there? Why would anybody put that on their Critic?
0: Well, it's starring the great Mahershala Ali.
1: Yes, and?
0: And Carmen Ejoko
1: love their relationship do you know when they argue back and forth Mm. how like calm it is that it's Mm -hmm. eerie even like when they right before they share like a love scene it's kind of like what is going on here now as of taping it's not finished
0: no it's not but everyone who's seen it is waiting with bated breath
1: yes for the
0: next episode
1: If you haven't
0: started it, you've got to start it just to see whether it works for you. Even if you go, I don't want to have anything to do with this genre. (laughs) <laughs> check this out as the ref said these actors ooh, I mean this is grown folk stuff
1: yes come on now there we go mm. there we go and it's you know True Detectives if you've heard of it it's waiting through through uh, for this season three different time periods they're trying to solve a murder but the real story is this Mahershala Ali Carmen tango that I'm just like what is going on here yeah I would like more of this <laughs> go <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Moving on to, we're calling it Gen Z's take. <laughs> this is not for us by us. If you are Gen Zed over, but you can enjoy it. Of course, we're talking about none other than it, it. It has to go in this category. Grownish, yeah, which is a which is a spin-off of Blackish, still created by Kenya Barris. Um. Let me tell you something. This is Zoe's life, Zoe's story from Blackish. Yep. She goes to college, <laughs> and boy, does she go to college.
0: She goes. <laughs> I mean, you know what? And when you first mentioned it the first time you saw it, I wasn't even thinking about that. They really went there. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's such a well oiled machine, such a good production that I wasn't even thinking about. Just how aggressive it is yeah. when it comes to being honest about college life. Um, so it, it's here. A, yeah, exactly. Um, and and what a wonderful young cast they have. I think everyone's in the right positions here. It's smart. I have the feeling that the cast has a lot of input yeah. and others on what comes into these episodes. I'm still really enjoying it, and I have to say. I'm actually enjoying it better than blackish right now
1: Ooh. Ooh, we are moving on that is heresy
0: <laughs> <laughs> i still like blackish though hold on <laughs> so next is hey we're going down to the true crime this time so from true detective to actually true crime dramas and this can you guess what this is everybody i know what
1: this is
0: Stop. It's American crime story. The people vs. Which one? The people versus OJ.
1: You no, know wait, come on. Mm.
0: This, everybody, is a show <laughs>
1: <laughs> that
0: encompasses all of television.
1: I mean, from top to bottom. You you are not bored with this one. I'm you get
0: sorry. drama, you get comedy, you get satire, you get horror, you get thriller, fence. <laughs> You get all kinds of levels of just uh, from good to bad, and all of it's good.
1: It's like, Ryan Murphy at his best.
0: This is Ryan Murphy at his best. Look, let me tell you all something: that when it comes to how you play Johnny Cochran,
1: <laughs> I knew you were gonna.
0: <laughs> okay, Pick
1: aside.
0: <So>, <laughs> I mean. How do you play Johnny Cochran? Well, you better watch this to figure it out, everybody. Okay. So, I mean, and, and there are others coming in, and of course, this cast,
1: who oh God. Johnny
0: Cochran, Courtney B. Vance,
1: and and got awards for it.
0: Sure did. This is when Sterling K. Brown said hello.
1: Got awards and, for that too.
0: Before This Is Us, there we go. Cuba Gooding Jr. just complete farce <laughs> as O.J. and joining him in the farce, of course. We've got to say John Travolta. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, he's there.
0: But then you get a great performance from Nathan Lane, just having so much fun. Like, it's Sarah Paulson. Look, we can go down the the line with this. Hey, everybody's seen this. Watch it again.
1: Yes, you must, and you should. (laughs) Let's also go... Now, we have to talk about our guilty pleasures, right? Uh Because... With the introduction of Shondaland and even just Lee Daniels, the two of them together, <laughs> as critics and as people who, like, film and, you know, all of this, sometimes you just want to sit back and let buffoonery just wash right over you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's nonsense. okay. Complete nonsense. We Obviously, we have to highlight Empire. Now, we're not saying Empire is nonsense. That's not what we're saying, but... Certainly, you will not walk away from Empire going, that was calm, (laughs) (laughs) that was chill. (laughs) It is one of those just, you want to watch it, go by. And then the next day, you're going to talk about it. Or you're going to go to Black Twitter and figure out what the heck just happened here. Um, You know what, Taraji and Terrence are just having a good time. That's that's, just it. That's point it. blank. It's ridiculous. It's Lee Daniels going, everybody, do whatever you want and
0: go. Right. <laughs> I do have to say I miss Malik Yoba on the show.
1: Yeah, but, oh, dang, you wait. you dating yourself away.
0: Sorry. Miss miss him. Miss him. And we do have to say, Justy Smollett, we got you, brother.
1: Yeah, bruh. Yeah, bruh.
0: Now, also in this category, you talked about Lee Daniels and Shonda, so we got to go to Shonda, right?
1: Yeah, we do. We can't now, leave her
0: up. We're not talking about how to get away with murder. We are talking about scandal.
1: Yes, it's done, but that's wow. okay.
0: That is okay. I saw every episode. How did that happen?
1: <laughs> I don't know because I didn't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. Now, of course, Carrie Washington introduced all of us on how to walk down a hallway.
1: Listen, yeah. in heels and your... Uh your Louis Vuitton or whoever bag you're carrying, watch my weave whip, okay? There you go. I have to say that I didn't, I really was enthralled. I got you to watch it for like the first three seasons. I was really you know.
0: I like how you said got me to watch it. I did. Forced me to watch
1: it. I did. I I shamed you to watch it. Yes, you did. But you finished it out, so Mm -hmm. that's a whole experience right there.
0: I. You can't Get any more
1: ridiculous than this? I don't think.
0: Uh, and but what you can do if you're doing anything ridiculous, everybody, is get your Joe Morton and, uh, and your Candy Alexander. Gosh, I wish they had girl.
1: (laughs) I just wish you know what I wish, critic. I wish that they had a spinoff of just that show.
0: I'm. That's what I'm saying.
1: And Eloise come in from How Did They Get Away with Murder? That she just comes in.
0: (laughs) Do the spinoff. I will play their long lost son. You would
1: be perfect. (laughs) Take us to the next one (laughs) because.
0: So our next category here is the reboot. And this is going from the film screen to the TV screen. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about Spike Lee's She's Gotta Have It.
1: Gotta Have It, She Got It.
0: Yes, one of his earliest movies. And now it's a TV series on Netflix. Yes, we are back to Nola Darling. And this time it's starring who? DaWanda Wise. Yes, it is. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. And we have other people here. Now, this is really some of the best work that Spike Lee has done recently. Um, So if you're thinking, oh, I like Black Klansmen, all of that, come to this show on Netflix. Check it out. See what's going on. Now, it is about a woman who is an artiste and who is not afraid to articulate what she wants and when she wants it and to get that.
1: Respect your aunt.
0: (laughs) Now, a surprise appearance is Heather Headley as her therapist I just want to know what
1: you love that every single (laughs) time she'll be whipping in there listen let's cap off this wonderful uh segment with the throwback Uh now we could have chose a lot of tv shows for this and maybe we will in other episodes Mm -hmm. but if you don't know Mm. now you know Mm. you can go and watch every single episode of a different world. Yes. Ooh. That's our jam. That's our jam. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: All of that that is our jam. We talked about Grownish being a spin-off of Blackish. They got that obviously from a different world which was a spin-off of the Cosby show. Yeah. You will start off one way and you will end up another. Of course, hmm. this was Lisa Bonet's uh, movie, or a TV show, supposedly. And then from there, it just took off into something else. And yes. this is the quintessential black college experience. Not just college experience, we're saying black college, HBCU yep. experience mm-hmm. on the small screen. You've got amazing people who We'll never leave our hearts. The Whitleys, the, you know, Dwayne.
0: Dwayne. Look, Jasmine Guy and Kadeem Hardison, when they took this show over, like you said, it really changed. And that's because, in large part, to what Debbie Allen did coming in, in the second season. Now, look, I could do a whole book on this show. Yes,
1: you've done it.
0: (laughs) But let's not, let's make a connection here, Ref. There's someone who's in blackish, who was in a different world.
1: The uncle?
0: Jennifer Lewis.
1: <gasps>
0: oh. oh. She wow. was the dean of students in the like final two episodes sorry, seasons. Wow. Oh yeah. And check out there's a classic episode when Lena Horn shows up and she goes missing. <laughs> <laughs> and we get Jennifer Lewis looking for her, singing Stormy Weather. can go on. It is, I'm telling you, okay, you're on my list. So this show, <laughs> and even we have a, a young Jada Pinkett before she was Pinkett. Yes, Smith, yes she We got all kinds of people it here. up in there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, you know, this is my jam.
1: Yeah, it is, yeah, it is. This is a that's a perfect throwback and a perfect ending to what we call for the culture. Listen, Black History Month doesn't just happen in February. It officially does, but it's all throughout. And we are here for it. We're here for you. And guess what? You get started on this list and we just might throw up a fist at you. <laughs> The Why Watch That TV Talk. Hey there, listeners. It's time for Why Watch That TV Talk. Now, we're talking TV because TV's talking to us. Mm. And we've got some answers for good old TV. We're going to start with some series premieres, a TV premiere, mid-season premiere, and a TV sneak peek. So wait to the end because we are sneak peeking. A very, very uh, highly anticipated television show, but we'll get to that later. Ooh. Let's start off with American Soul on BET. Yes, Mr. Don is back. You know what? I didn't know Don was such a gangster. We're talking <laughs> about the man who created and like really pushed uh, the soul train to the forefront. I mean, he was out there taking names. <laughs> <laughs> making Things Happen. It's on BET. It's a miniseries. Tell us about it.
0: Well, it it starts in 2012. And uh, Don Cornelius, yeah, you know him, right? And he's played by Cinque Walls. Uh, he's sitting in his home watching an old TV performance of Gladys Knight, who's played by Kelly Rowland. Hey. And he has a gun in his hand. Whoa. Okay, next we see Don in 1971, and he's just secured a national syndication deal for his show. What is it? Soul Train!
1: Soul Train!
0: <laughs> see how I waited for that? <laughs> now, he knows that his show will be a hit because, hey, it's going to highlight Black music from a Black perspective on a national level, which is something that American bandstand can't do. Mm. Plus, his show will not only celebrate Black culture, but also appeal to white folks. But but he has to secure a big-name musical act for the syndication deal to go through. So, can he get someone like James Brown to headline his first national episode? Or will it be a bust? Well, Don fought in the Korean War, and he's a former cop. So don't count him out. In addition, there are others on display who have big dreams. There's Don's Dance Coordinator, whom Don challenges to find dancers with star power. Uh-huh. Hmm. There's a music group called Encore, which is a trio comprised of a sister and brother, uh, whose mother, by the way, is played by Kelly Price.
1: Yay, Kelly can sing.
0: <laughs> and the sister's secret love. And there are others who are also striving to make it big. But there's a war going on, remember? So the question is, how do all of these people connect to each other and to Soul Train? In addition, what are the rivalries and obstacles that will pop up here and there? Plus, what happened to make Don want to take his life so many years later? Mm. Now look, overall, American Soul will appeal to people who want to see something like the Five Heartbeats or the Jacksons and American Dream and the like. And it works best when the music's pumping, because the writing can be challenging, which leads to other challenges. Even still, I do appreciate that when it matters, they hired singers to sing. Yeah. Now, I wish they sang live, but okay. Now, do all of the singers match their real-life counterparts? No, but so what? You know, so what? The music's just fine. These are classics, after all, along with some contributions from uh, Babyface.
1: Yeah, you know that. And
0: there's our guest turns by well-known and not so well-known R&B soul singers of today who play well-known R&B soul singers of yesterday. In addition, they don't spend too long on one storyline and they switch from shot to shot enough to prevent boredom. So, is American soul great? No. Is it bad? No, I wouldn't say that either. Instead, it's a familiar kind of story with a decent and familiar kind of presentation that will work for people who are looking for just
1: that. Boom. You heard it here. Now, I don't know how to say this, but I'm going to say pin 15. Yeah. But When you look at it, you know what it says. Think about it, listeners. Pin 1-5. <laughs> this is on Hulu. It's its first season, of course. Oh. Uh, and um, what is this all about? Uh,
0: well... <laughs> <laughs> look, you you, got me,
1: you you already have me saying Shit's Creek, and that's not right.
0: <laughs> well, you nailed it on the title. So I, that essentially encapsulates the show. Now, it's the year 2000 this time, and best friends Maya and Anna are about to start the seventh grade. So things are about to get real, and they need to be prepared. They have to make sure that they make the best impression at school and that they certainly don't look the same as last year. Plus, the loves of their lives will be there, so this is no time to fool around. Now, of course, there are obstacles. There's Maya's mom, who's horrified by her daughter's hair and will stop at nothing to do something about it. There's Maya's older brother, Shuji, who's in the eighth grade, so he wants her as far away from him as possible. There's also Anna's parents, who aren't on the best terms, and Anna's mom drives all of them to school, which has the potential for embarrassment. But regardless, this is going to be the best year ever. Or so they think. Because when they get to school, things don't go as planned. But in the face of the humiliation of being outcasts in the seventh grade, Maya and Anna have each other, and they won't give up without a fight, or at least without making some sort of attempt. But here's the twist. Pin 15... Stars the real life Maya and Anna, who really were best friends in the seventh grade in the year 2000 and are now grown women.
1: So grown women are playing seventh graders. There you go. Oh boy.
0: But the other 13-year-old characters in this show are played by real 13-year-olds.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah,
0: Uh that's right.
1: Why? Why?
0: So there you go. So a lot of the comedy comes from that clash. Also, this is produced by the Lonely Island. Who is that? Well, it's Andy Samberg's comedy trio. Oh. Yeah, so you know the kind of humor on display. After all, this is an adult comedy that reminisces about what it was like to be 13, warts and all. Now, of the three episodes I watched, The first one had the best tonal balance. When it shifted to a more serious tone, it actually worked pretty well. I felt sad for Maya after the way she was treated uh, in that episode. However, the next two didn't quite have the same kind of success. They were okay, which made the sad, awkward, and certainly icky moments a little harder to take. And so if this sounds like your kind of thing, I suggest that you watch Pin 15 in doses, there's no need to binge it all at once. You can simply watch an episode, leave it for a while, come back to it when you're in the mood. Otherwise, if this doesn't sound like something you're interested in, you can safely move on.
1: Ooh, okay. Move. Let, let us move on to White. White Dragon on Amazon. And uh, we're not talking about The Last Dragon. We're talking about White Dragon. Eight episodes, first season. Uh, what is this about? Because I've got all kind of things going on in my head.
0: <laughs> well, um, here, here's how it starts. An English woman is driving along a winding road in Hong Kong. And as she's driving, she's recording a message for someone saying that she's sorry and regrets things. She's crying, all kinds of stuff. It's not flying. Well, sorry for what? And to whom is she speaking? And then she meets a tragic end.
1: Oh, boy.
0: Next, there's Professor Jonah Mulray, and he's about to begin one of his classes in Great Britain. Now, Jonah's the kind of professor that rarely appears in real life. He's smart and cheeky and interesting to listen to. But all of that is about to change because during class, he's notified that his wife, Megan, has died in Hong Kong. Oh, that's terrible. hmm Now, of course, Jonah's shocked. And of course, he flies to Hong Kong to see about things. And while he's at the police station there, waiting for answers, he spots a man who's being questioned. And he wants to know whether this man was involved in Megan's death. The police won't tell him, so he waits for the man outside of the station. And then, when he sees the mystery man exit the station, he follows him. And this eventually leads to Jonah discovering exactly who this man is. And boy, oh boy, is it a shock. Now, this man's name is David Chen, and he has a daughter named Lau, who's just been arrested for protesting the actions of one of Hong Kong's biggest real estate developers. But what does that have to do with anything? Oh. Also involved in all of this is Sally Porter, who works at the British consulate in Hong Kong. She sympathizes with Jonah and tries to help him as best as she can, but she has her own problems on the horizon. Also, there's a reporter who's sniffing around all of this stuff. And he's he's caused, and or will cause, problems for everyone involved. Plus, in regard to the Hong Kong police, something's up. They seem to be gaslighting Jonah in regard to Megan's (sighs) death, but why? Does it have something to do with one of the criminal syndicates in the territory? And if so, again, why? Exactly how do all of these people interconnect? And just what has Megan gotten Jonah into? All right. So as you can tell, everyone, ref, there's a lot going on in this show, plot-wise. There's actually much more than I just described at play. And so the question is, is it worth all of that to watch this? I have to say, it depends. First, Hong Kong's always a great place to film. The lights and buildings and streets and the like is great to look at. Second, the cast is capable, and it's nice to see British and Chinese actors in the same show. However, with this many storylines, it'll be difficult for many viewers to gin up the curiosity and patience for each of them. Also, as this show begins to link its manifold plot strands as is necessary, it toggles from one storyline to the next, which halts its momentum. So it's hard to care about all of this stuff, despite how serious all of it is, which brings me to this point. If you're a diehard fan of crime dramas, especially those from the Brits, go ahead and check this out, it'll be a fine watch. However, However, if that's not you, and you haven't seen a lot of these kinds of shows from the Brits before, there are way too many very good to great ones to start here. The Fall, Happy Valley, Bodyguard, even The Missing, which was created by brothers Harry and Jack Williams, who serve as executive producers here, and even more are available. And it's those shows that have set a bar that White Dragon, despite being good enough overall, can't quite reach.
1: White Dragon, okay. (laughs) Moving on to our TV movie premiere. Now we're sneaking this one in. Usually we do like other things, but it's a TV movie. Uh, I'm assuming that both of us got a chance to watch this. I know I did. Yeah, High Flying Bird, which is on Netflix, and let me tell you, I'm clapping. That yeah, <laughs> this thing was shot. The entire movie was shot on iPhones. Yeah. Yes, iPhone. You know that phone you hold right now. You listen to podcast. It was shot on that. So actually, we just have no excuse to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and this is the second time that Soderbergh has done that after Unsane. So, in High Flying Bird, Ray, played by Andre Holland...
1: Hey!
0: He's a high-powered agent to many NBA athletes. He's sharp, knowledgeable, and observant. And much to the surprise of his immediate boss, David Starr, played by Zachary Quinto, he has the trust of his clients. And he gained that trust in a novel way, which proves to be important... Because he and everyone else in his business have one big problem.
1: Uh Uh-oh.
0: The NBA's in a lockout.
1: Dang. What does that mean?
0: Well, it means that no one, including Ray, is getting
1: paid. There we go. We need to say that.
0: (laughs) Now, this causes all kinds of problems for Ray. First of all, his rookie client, Eric, has no clue about how to navigate this lockout. Because by the time... Uh, money would have been pouring into Eric's bank account if the league were in business. Well, it, he doesn't have it. He needs the money now. But just mm-hmm. how can he get it? Not in a way that Ray approves of, I'll tell you that. Second of all, while Ray pontificates about monetary responsibility to Eric, he's running out of money himself. Show sure no. He can't even pay for a meal with his credit card. A black he can't card. even
1: pay for a subway
0: ride. <laughs> so, you know, he's running out of cash going, all right. But just where did all of Ray's money go? Hmm. Ooh. Third of all, Ray just lost his assistant Sam, played by Zazie Beats, (laughs) to one of his colleagues at the agency. But Sam, despite her playful annoyance with Ray's ways, hasn't given up on him. But why? Mm. What's the benefit for her? Plus, there's Ray's longtime friend Myra, played by Sonya Song with the great voice, who reps the Players Association. But for her, this is business, and she knows that Ray's up to something. She doesn't know exactly what, though, but we do. We know that what Ray wants is to finally have a seat at the table with the people who control the inner workings of the league. After all, as basketball coach Spencer, played by Bill Duke, tells <laughs> Ray, he said, hey, they invented a game on top of a game. But there might be more to it than that for Ray. And so how will Ray come out on top in the face of seemingly insurmountable odds? How will he use the lockout to his advantage? And how will others follow suit? And will he ever be able to find his way into that lofty inner circle? It's an inner circle that's personified by David Seaton, played by Kyle McLaughlin the outwardly pleasant league rep who's gotten under Myra's skin and who's not afraid to quietly ruffle feathers to protect what
1: his. Oh, he does, doesn't he?
0: Now, do you want to talk about this, Ref, or should I continue?
1: I'm going to talk about it because Mm -hmm. I know what you're going (laughs) to (laughs) say. Now, listen, that was a great explanation done by the critic, As usual. But I will have to say this. I'm a smart person. Mm. I am smart. Mm. I'm very smart. (laughs) I graduated well. I I read. This felt like watching this movie felt like going to the party. That you were sort of invited to, but <laughs> everybody in there is way out of your league. Like <laughs> you're you're just you're you're just working the copy machine and everybody else is closing multi-million dollar deals. That's what it felt like watching this movie. Meaning this is Steven Soderbergh. Yep. It's gonna be shot in a very specific way, so don't let that distract you. This is also Andre Holland speaking 55 miles a minute about stuff that I don't know specifically want. Hmm. I get the gist, but it really was a lot of work to figure it out. And then soon you just have to rely on the feeling of what's going on from scene to scene. So my caution to you is, is this amazing uh, project... Yes, of course, it was shot on iPhones. It looks good. You've got top-notch actors who are believing what they're saying, but I don't think they really know. (laughs) But it doesn't matter, because if you're into uh, sports films, but not just, you're not gonna see a lot of action on the court, but you'll see the business action behind it. If that is for you, then I would say watch it with precaution just realize it's Netflix and you can go back and rewind
0: yeah um, and just as you're saying it's a lot of dialogue you know you think Aaron's? Am it to shame. Yeah, Aaron Sorkin, David Mamet, Susan Lori Parks. If you think top dog, underdog, Shonda Ryan, Spike Lee.
1: Yes, all of it together. He just puts them all to shame. Right,
0: and and keep in mind this is from playwright Terrell Alvin McCraney, who yes. co-wrote wrote Moonlight.
1: Moonlight, yeah.
0: So it's actually a nice counterpart to that because this is a different uh, kind of writing style that he's using. Um, and he eats, shows a specific sense of humor at times. So, you know, you can see his range there. Now, with this kind of script, you need these kind of actors because they have to have the right pacing, timing, and beat changing. It just doesn't work otherwise. They did that for the most part. I mean, look, Andre Holland is a master. Yeah. He knows, he understands how to, you know, get to those beats.
1: But they could Uh, stand a couple more close-up shots to help us with it. The the actual shooting could have helped Andre out a little bit more is what I'm thinking.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, as we're intimating here, it's not perfect. Uh, It is fast-paced when it needs to be, especially early on. Then they do slow it down. Um, The changes from moment to moment were pretty clear, uh, but it does lose some steam, Over its runtime. But look, we talked about what Steven Soderbergh does here, not only as director, but also as editor and uh, cinematographer under pseudonyms. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) You get these fishbowl like images. We talked about the iPhone. His edits are as crisp as he can make them. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Like he does all of this stuff. Uh, Also, I did enjoy seeing real NBA players. It's. He splices in interviews with them about what it was like for them to enter the league and what's going on behind the scenes. That was a nice touch. Um, So, and everybody seemed to be ganged, like you were saying. Now, is this going to blow you away? No, it's not. Uh, But so what? It's nice to be in the hands of people who have an idea of where they're going and they're trying to get there, imperfections and all. Plus, it's streaming on Netflix, which this is a good fit for that. So, bravo.
1: You can also check out the mid-season premiere of The Walking Dead that's already out, The Critic has. Now listen, this thing is, we are in season number nine. (laughs) Nine years of zombies and crazy human beings. It's already been renewed for season 10. No joke, this is on AMC, you know it. And we just heard that Denagria is saying ta-ta next season. So, listen, if you want to catch her before she turns into a zombie. Actually, you know, I have a feeling she's going to do what Mr. Abraham did. Mm. And that is, we'll see her on the flip. You know? (laughs) Yeah. But that's just me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Now, we're talking about episode nine of season nine. It picks up where episode eight left off last year. Finally, our trusted group of friends has been introduced to the Whisperers. Oh, they're scary, aren't they? Yeah. Look, and outside of readers of the comic book and the like, who knows exactly what the Whisperers are? We just know that they look like the dead, and much of the time they move like the dead, but their brains are still working and they're out for blood. Mm. But just what's going to happen when the group takes one of them hostage? Oh, boy. I'll tell you this, it looks pretty predictable. Okay. Oh, what? 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 But, but there's a little twist at the end of this episode that introduces a new character who's been long overdue. Now, of course, the whisperers pose a gigantic problem, but in true Walking Dead fashion, there are other storylines that need to be tended to, right? Mm. And one of those other storylines is the continued escape of everyone's favorite.
1: Oh my gosh, are you serious? Negan. You know what, I'm with you. I don't even watch this show and I am ready for him to take a bow. However, (laughs) (laughs) I'll come
0: back to those sentiments. However, (laughs) just as Negan's about to climb his way to freedom, he's stopped by Judith and her gun. Yes, he's stopped by Rick's young daughter who's now being raised solely by Michonne. But what do you think happens? Does Judith, Judith shoot him? Does she lead him back to his prison cell? Or does she let him go? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. And regardless, look, you just know that they're going to try to continue to humanize Negan or something, and then tease us with that or something. But at this point, who cares? Who cares?
1: Now. Wow. Here we go. Here we go.
0: Here we go. Here's the thing. As many of you know, the ref certainly knows, I've struggled through most of the seasons of The Walking Dead.
1: I've never seen you struggle so hard.
0: (laughs) Outside of a couple of seasons before the appearance of Negan, I found this show unnecessarily drawn out and a test of every ounce of patience that I have. And with the return of the ninth season, that feeling has not changed. Uh Uh-oh. I mean, I like The Whisperers, or at least the idea of the Whisperers a lot, but I just can't sit around waiting for them to sprinkle little bits of information about them over who knows how long. Plus, just when you feel like they're getting somewhere, here comes another less compelling storyline to stop the momentum. It's maddening. And so, I'm going to take my own advice. I'm saying ta-ta to the walking dead.
1: What?
0: And as a farewell, I'll say this. What? I just hope that one day this show's writers will figure out a way to stop teasing people and instead start bowling them over with forward momentum on a consistent basis. Now, this doesn't mean that the show should move at a fast pace. No, no. This means that The Walking Dead could just keep the plot moving forward and the suspense, the tension high most of the time. Otherwise, why watch it? Because as I've said before, I'd run away from most of these characters if I saw them, especially if zombies were among us, and even if I didn't, many though not all of this show's best characters are gone, or as we said, as is the case with Denai Guerrera as shown, will be gone soon. Now, this isn't to say that The Walking Dead is a bad show. No, no, no. What it is, is a frustrating show that squanders much of its potential, which might be even worse. So goodbye.
1: You know what? That was so dramatic and high. We've heard this speech before about The Walking Dead. And <laughs> to back up. So, listeners, I know your jaws are dropped, but just pick it up off the floor. The critic will return to his senses. And I have a feeling that when. It's the- over! <laughs> when the- okay, okay. When The Walking Dead comes back. For its final season, you will get a report from who <laughs> I watch. That I guarantee it. Moving on.
0: So okay, rounding this out, you know, you know you're, was,
1: you're, I'm a busted, I'm a busted <laughs> critic out right now. Yeah, I really said
0: goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>
1: See, I was so done with everything that, yeah, I stopped the
0: episode. But look, no one knows that because here we are again. And, And we do have a rarity here, and this is so nice. We have a TV sneak peek from The Ref, and what are we peeking at? Boomerang. Now, you might be going, Boomerang? That 90s movie with Eddie Murphy? No, 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 friends. We're talking about the TV show that's going to be on BET premiering on Tuesday, the 12th of this month.
1: Yes. What, what, what?
0: Two episodes, as the ref is saying. Now, who is this coming from? Lena Waithe. You know her. Ben Corey Jones. They wrote the pilot together. They're executive producing alongside Halle Berry and others. Yes, Halle Berry, who's starring in it. We have Taquan Richmond, Tatana, Jackson, Leland Martin, Layla Milan, and others. So tell us about this. I'm interested. It is on my calendar to watch ref. Let's Mm -hmm. see what you have to say.
1: Well, I'm going to walk the, the line very fine because of reasons unbeknownst to you, listeners. Mm-hmm. But also, um, I don't want to ruin it for you because it is a sneak peek. So yes, Boomerang, the movies, 1990 something, Eddie Murphy meets Holly Berry. So I'm ruining the movie, and they he goes he he says no to Robin Gibbons character, and he says yes to Holly Berry, and off into the sunset they ride happily ever after. Now. Kind of. Now we pick it up with their children. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Simone Graham, the daughter of of Holly Berry's character and Eddie Murphy's character, Marcus, Marcus, remember him? (laughs) His daughter now works at his firm, the Graham Agency. Along with his daughter is Bryson. Mm. Hmm. You remember Jacqueline played by Robin Gibbons? Well, she had a son, and Bryson is her son. Oh, you have... Marcus's daughter and Brian and Jacqueline's son working at the Graham agency now it starts off in what looks like the 90s they're in a club and this this dude is looking at this girl and he's like hey what's up and she's like hey what's up with you Mm. and it feels real 90s shoulder pads are high Keith sweats rocking in the background what do you know it's actually a commercial for some speedy drink that'll help you get through the day. Although it seems like it's cool, it's not to the millennials, Simone and Bryson. They're like, why are we showing this all week, beep, beep, beep stuff? It doesn't make any sense. Well, as things transpire, Simone parts ways, oh, 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 with the agency and so the question is throughout the, the the two episodes can Simone make a name for herself can she break away from the Graham legacy legacy and make a name for herself and Bryson who worships Marcus hmm. he just follow in the footsteps of a great man and on top of that are these two destined to be together Or are they closer than they think they are? Ah. (laughs) You're going to have to watch Boomerang to find that out. Now, filling it in are their friends, um, David, uh, who plays a straight-laced kind of guy who's given himself to the Lord. Uh, He's one of the best friends. And then there's Ari, who is a person who marches to his own drum. So as they did in Boomerang, the movie, they have the three guys sort of rounding out the three perspectives of the black male ego. And then Simone, with her best friend, Crystal, also rounds out that female perspective. I tell you what, listen, you're going to get the music. It's BET, right? You're going to get the music. You're gonna get, it's Dime Davis. If you don't know Dime Davis, Davis's work, she did a lot of shorts. She's very steady with her hand. It's not a fast paced show, but it's clearly seen. Uh, and you get Lena Waith and Ben Corey Jones who have very strong opinions about what it means to be black in America now. It's not just one way, there's a variety of ways as you'll see it coming through all of these characters. Now my review, I think that this show will appeal to a lot of people who are thirsty for a different perspective. Now, if you are a die-hard Boomerang fan and you're like, I wanna know what happens next, I'ma put you on pause with that because you must proceed with caution when watching this new iteration of Boomerang. It is not the same. It's hot Lana, it's millennials, it's gonna be wild, crazy, but it's not going to be the boomerang that you probably once loved but if you're willing to give it a chance then maybe it'll work for you for me i just miss miss Kit saying (laughs) market
0: i don't have any you know what on now look
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh grace jones i hope they bring a grace jones
0: (laughs) (laughs) after bath That takes care of our TV talk, everybody. I we ran the gamut here, ref. Yeah, you, every kind of TV segment you could think of, we took care of, and we took care of all of you. There's something here that may appeal to you. Check it out. And also don't be afraid, ever afraid, to say to a, a show, hello and goodbye. Ooh. Off the Cuff.
1: Listeners, we have an Off the Cuff for you. Oh, it's been a while. It's been a grip. It's been a while. Listen, we have been just everywhere. <laughs> All over the globe. You know what? It's getting to the point because we're bi-coastal. I only get to see the critic once a year. And usually that time is in Sunday. Now, it's kind of not true because I see you. I'm looking at you right now. So I see you.
0: <laughs> Modern technology.
1: <laughs> right. As we're recording, but actually be in each other's presence, it's definitely a once a year kind of thing, which this year is going to be a little different. But um, listeners, you know, for off the cuff, just to remind you, this is just us. It's me, it's Critic, and we just talk. Yep. And one of the things that we were talking about before, you know, we get to, to recording everything is kind of like, how you can really fall behind with all the content that's out there. You are kind of expected to be prepared for the Oscars, right? Listeners like you're seeing right now. We don't have a host, right? No, it's like, I have a feeling they're going to sneak in someone on us. Like it's going to be like a surprise or maybe it's going to be presenters hosting. I'm not sure, Mm -hmm. but You kind of have to be prepared for the Oscars, otherwise you won't know what's going on. And what I mean by prepared is that there are a lot of movies that are nominated, and you got to watch them (laughs) in order to know what you're rooting for. So I do the best that I can, but the critic really takes it to heart. (laughs) I mean, you, like, go in real hard about making sure that you're ready for this and having an educated uh oscar experience um right me, on the other hand if i get to it i get to it cool if i don't i'm not gonna stress about it but you were able to catch up on some things i know you're in the middle of a ton of tv right now you're obviously entrenched in that um and some of these movies we've already reviewed so this is going to be a little different listeners it's not us reviewing these movies It's just us talking about it. And so it may not be as PC as we normally like it to be, but it's just us talking. And so you can definitely listen in on our conversation. Now, I know that you saw First Reformed, which is sort of like a sneaky little movie that got like mixed reviews. But generally speaking, the critics, uh, they were partial to it. And we just love Ethan Hawke. he comes in and just, he's got to be one of the hardest working. Between him and Michael Sheen.
0: (laughs) He's a professional, you know, Michael Shannon. Shannon. Shannon.
1: Mm -hmm. Between those two, them, I was about to say, it was going to be real off the cuff. Them (laughs) folks work.
0: Yeah, they are professionals. And by the way, Michael Shannon is coming to Broadway with Audrey McDonald, just since you said his no, name.
1: It's just going <laughs> to I, I may fly back to New York just for that. <laughs> but anyway, for First
0: Reform, so, you know, even Hawk is playing a minister of this historical church, right? You know that a lot, a lot of people don't go there. But it's uh, supported by this mega church who's headed by <laughs> Cedric the Entertainer.
1: You know what? I'm already done. I can't even.
0: But, you know, this this guy that Ethan Hawke is playing has a past, okay? He didn't just, you know, go from high school to college to the seminary and all of that stuff. No, 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 no. And he meets this couple, um, uh, one of whom is played by Amanda Seyfried, and they have an effect on him. Uh, They are really uh, passionate about the environment, stuff like that. It affects him. And things take a turn, let's say that, because he becomes a bit upset and maybe wants to lash out at some of the big wigs in his community Mm -hmm. on this special day for the church. It's one of its uh, anniversaries, an important one. Now, the writer-director of this is Paul Schrader, who, by the way, wrote the screenplay for Taxi Driver, among other things.
1: Okay, so he's definitely not gonna hold
0: back. Yeah, so it's kind of like a religious taxi driver
1: in I think, a way. I, what does that even?
0: Exactly, but it's what but the it? execution's different because Paul Schrader directed First Reformed. He didn't direct Taxi Driver, so yeah. this is something that requires patience. All of that. It, now the script. It, it, it took him a lot of planning. You could tell a lot of thought. This is why it's nominated for uh, best original screenplay, or yeah, original screenplay here for the Academy Awards. So we got that.
1: I mean, um, so what, what do you think about it?
0: But what I, you know, watching it, I, it's more like okay. Like if I'm gonna okay. go here, with, if I'm gonna go with this kind of character. Is it worth my time? Is it worth almost two hours of this? I don't know. You know, Ethan Hawke is good. Everybody's good there. Mm-mm. I mean, we'll see what happens with a screenplay for this, but...
1: Mm. For you what? I mean, this is this is off the cuff, so we're not, you know, saying the normal... I, again,
0: I'm just saying it's all right. You know, that that is my impression coming out of it. Um, and that's it. Now, you know... Would I recommend this to people? Here's what it is. You want off the cuff? Here, here's what it is. This is the kind of stuff that critics love because most people won't.
1: Okay, there well, we go. We got and, to
0: it. And they're gonna go. You know, it, it takes a certain level of uh, appreciation for film is probably what they would say to get it. But the thing is, there is. You can always pace things in a way that pulls more people in. To this mm-hmm. kind of art house movie, this doesn't quite reach that. So there you go. It's a okay. tough watch,
1: like content-wise. Like it's difficult yeah. to watch what hap- what what the actual transpires. Yeah.
0: Once happens. once the story starts kicking in, finally, it's you know. And Ethan Hawk has some moments. I'll, I'm I'll sure. just say that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Now we I got a chance to review Incredibles 2 and I loved it. I thought it was absolutely wonderful, very nostalgic from the Incredibles 1. And mm-hmm. you got a chance to finally see it. <laughs> um, and you know, I just thought it was great action. Yeah. I really did. It was just great action from scene to scene to scene. Now, was it a little predictable? Did you figure it out at the end? Like, did you figure out in the middle, like, who the bad guys were? Yes. Yes. So yes. it wasn't, like, trick. It wasn't tricking you. Or who the bad guy is, rather. Mm-hmm. Or bad person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you and enjoyed it.
0: I did Like you said, the action sequences were really wonderful. But I'm thinking about the feeling of The Incredibles when I saw uh-huh. that. It's not that, folks. Now, this is nominated for Best Animated Feature at the Academy Awards. It should be. Um, But it's not The Incredibles. It didn't have the freshness of that. Because it's like 20-something years later. Mm -hmm. Um, So considering all of that, hey, look, this is something that everybody can watch. Everybody's going to find something to enjoy about it. And in this case, you know, they twist things for the time period we're in because who's the one actually carrying out the action? It's mama, not papa. Papa's at home. And that Mm -hmm. little baby that you talked about in your review was some of the best stuff in the movie.
1: Oh my gosh. I just can't, the sneezing alone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, and and the whole thing with the uh, raccoon, that fight was hilarious. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, this this is good stuff. Did it take me all the way back to The Incredibles? No, but okay.
1: So what? You know what? I had a good time. Yeah. Um, uh, you, now you know I'm not going to watch this next movie. <laughs> Heredity. I'm not going to watch it because I am not into the... I like psychological horror films. hmm But you got to see Toni Collette yep. do what she gets paid to do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, this isn't nominated for the Academy Awards, and some people say, hey, Toni Collette was snubbed.
1: She was nominated. She was in the talks for Golden Globes yep. and, and all that stuff. So it, she definitely was in the mix.
0: That's right. Um, now, by the way, everybody, Hereditary, um, you can see it via uh, Amazon Prime. Same thing with First Reformed. Yeah. Uh, essentially, if it's an A24 movie,
1: and it's, it's on Prime. Yeah. Exactly.
0: So mm-hmm. just keep that in mind. Incredibles 2 is on Netflix. Um, so for Hereditary, Toni Collette plays this woman <laughs> whose family... I mean, people keep dying.
1: She always did a movie where people keep
0: dying. I mean, the whole family has died in some sort of tragic way almost. Oh
1: my gosh.
0: And so what happens, her mother dies. There's a funeral. She's an honest woman. <laughs> of
1: course <laughs> and, she is. Oh, wow. know,
0: I mean, please... If don't give me that kind of eulogy, so something's up, um, and then some other things happen. Now she has a, a young Wait, daughter. Are
1: these, are these people dying of natural causes, or? Well, like... that's
0: that's the question. Oh okay. Yeah. Now <laughs> she has a a, a a young daughter and a teenage son. They go to the same school, but the daughter's definitely younger. Um, and she has a husband who's played by Gabriel Byrne. Uh, So, there's something going on. The daughter isn't quite involved in people, let's say that. She has this little click thing going. The son, you know, he's a typical teenager. He wants to smoke his weed. He wants to go out to parties. So, he actually takes his sister to one of these parties at Tony Collette's behest. And certain things happen. Okay? Which leads to other things happening. So, since she's surrounded by death, here's the point. Here's what I want to get to. And you're going to know why in a moment. Okay. So she needs to go to grief counseling. She goes to a group. They meet, all of that. And who's at this group? Ann Dowd?
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, y'all don't know who Ann Dowd is. You know who she is from The Handmaid's Tale. Yes. Um, other things. She's the chief woman that keeps them in line.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> the Handmaid's Tale, yeah. So when I saw her, because of course the first time you see her, she has no lines.
1: I'm like, stop it! Of course, You know exactly, like, yeah. So she
0: teaches Tony Collette essentially, and I will tell you how this happens, how to do a seance.
1: <laughs> oh, Lord. See, you know, that's why I don't be watching this. I don't like that stuff, listeners. I don't. Mm-mm.
0: And, you know, now I'll tell you this, Ref. For most of the film, it is more psychological in the horror vein. And then at the end, it's not.
1: Of course and it is.
0: To me, at the end, I was kind of like, why? Did, you didn't have to go here, actually. You didn't. You could have done things that were less expected. Tony, collect. Look. <laughs> Some of those scenes, and let me tell you something, she and Ann down together. You should see the scene, but <laughs> Ann down. It's like, hey, I can't tell you, I found the secret. I found the answer to our prayers. You gotta do the seance. You should see, the way she's grabbing onto her and walking away, it is, it is riveting. And this is not, and this is not even them, you know, really chewing scenery. This is just two uh, actors who know their craft. They collect explodes explodes Wait, at her son in one scene. And her son is Alex Wolf, by the way, who's a great upcoming young actor. We, uh, Salinger in the Rye. Remember that? Some movie like that we reviewed. He was in it. Catcher?
1: No, not Catra. Rye. right. Yeah, oh, it, I know what you're talking about. With the, uh the, the, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the author of Cat, uh, Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember the name, the title of it, but he, he stands up, not literally, to her in that scene. And it is, and Gabriel Burns in the middle. I mean, some of this acting is really good so if you like horror definitely yeah. check this out do i think that tony was snubbed i kind of think so Oh. Dear. i kind of think so even and doubt has an argument for best supporting actress here
1: <laughs> 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 you know what? i'm not mad at it um in, in, in how do we say this
0: Annihilation.
1: Oh, annihilation. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was I was going way too literal. Um, (laughs) This is the one with um with uh your girl.
0: Natalie Portman.
1: Natalie Portman. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this did not get a lot of love. Like it wasn't. It just kind of snuck in the theater and kind of quietly like a like a Baptist uh, you know when you're in a Baptist church you put your finger up and kind of like the finger is going to shield you to walk away that's what I feel <laughs> like did, that it didn't get any love like the marketing and stuff so um, I did not I, I had a chance to watch it on the plane but I, I watched the wife instead mm. um, but you got a chance to see it so um, what are your like what are your thoughts about it are you excited to Talk about it, or? yeah. You know what? I actually am. This
0: did not get any uh, awards love, um, and the reason probably is because look, this is sci fi, horror, suspense ish. You know, it explores certain ideas that maybe not everybody's with, but I'm with it now. Annihilation is available on Amazon Prime now, it's also available via Hulu. Um, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, interesting there. And it might be on Epics or something. Oh. So lots, lots of ways to find it. Now, in addition to Natalie Portman, there is Jennifer Jason Leigh. Yeah. So you know it's crazy. No. There is Gina Rodriguez. Yes. There is Tessa Thompson as well. And Oscar Isaac,
1: among others. That sounds like a, a real mixed bag. Yes. Of folks that they usually just deliver, but it's a mixed bag. Exactly. And it's nice,
0: actually, to see Gina not doing comedy. Mm, You know, because essentially what happens is Natalie Portman plays a biologist who used to be in the military. Her husband is still in the military. He's called off on this expedition into this territory that is covered by, they call it the Shimmer. It's okay. some sort of prism that's come down from space. And they need to know what's going on underneath it because it's spreading. Uh-huh. Every every group they send in doesn't come back. Oh. But Oscar Isaac comes back.
1: Of course he does.
0: But how? And this leads Natalie Portman to joining an all female team. Yeah.
1: Why do they do that? Why female teams?
0: Because they had not had females before. All, had, all men have oh, had, okay. you know, so now they're trying something new. Also, Jennifer Jason Lee's character is the head of it. She has her own motives. All of them have motives for doing this because essentially this is a suicide mission. Why yeah, is right. Natalie Portman doing it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're going in. They want to figure out what's happening. It's five of them. They're all scientists in certain ways. They all have different expert mm-hmm. expertise. Okay. They get in there. You can't even imagine what's going on in there. I won't give it away, but it is very interesting. And if you take the story for what it is, it will, you will start thinking about it. And even at the end ref, I was kind of like, wait a minute. And then I thought about, it, I was like, no, no, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> like in a way it uh-huh. makes sense. Gotcha. Now this, by the way, is directed and written by Alex Garland, who was the writer director of Ex Machina. So it's that uh-huh. kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. He also wrote 28 Days Later,
1: Sunshine. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really
0: so, sense. look, I really like this. Like, if you're thinking a quiet place from last year mm-hmm. when it comes to horror, hey, I would put why not Annihilation? Why not Hereditary? You know what? <laughs> <Sit out somewhere>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and these are people acting. I'll take look.
1: Well, apparently you <gasps> are. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Okay. No. Okay, well, mm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Let's wrap up the catch-up. Um, oh, like, this is this is off the cuff. This uh-huh. is off the cuff, listener.
0: I still don't even know how to talk about this yet, but go ahead.
1: Well, talk about it. Just talk <laughs> about it. I'm. I got. You should see me right now. I'll show you. You know what, never mind. Uh, it's it's black clint. And we mm-hmm. already reviewed it. I had a chance to see it a while back. And you just recently had a chance to see it. And just to let the, the newer listeners know, because I think our faithful old listeners, not old, our faithful listener <laughs> um, from your, <laughs> know how much the critic loves him some Spike Lee. I mean. I grew up on Spike Lee. It is just his appetite. Um, Spike Lee. And of course, I grew up on him too, but I'm not quite as my fervency. <laughs> I love Spike, but, but the critic goes in on Spike, and you finally got a chance to. And I've revealed my real thoughts about the Black Klansman. Mm. Um, I know it's nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. It's m- m- multiple. Well, yep. I'm nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture for Best Director, for Best Supporting, Best... You know, just a lot of things. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't want to be shady. Yeah, yeah. It's just if that's real, that's
0: it. It's it's realer than real. And look, everybody, you know what this is. You know it's a true story. You know yeah, that you don't
1: have to review it. You don't have to. You know, uh, you
0: know what it is. John David Washington impersonates a KKK guy. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So, you know, I had to watch this. This is Spike Lee. Uh, everybody's saying, oh, you know, Return to Form. They love doing this. You've it's seen return every... Return to Form stuff.
1: But you, you, you've seen every Spike Lee project ever, correct?
0: Almost, yeah.
1: Okay. some of his
0: recent stuff. Shire. <laughs> okay.
1: Did you see Chirac? No,
0: I did not. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, that The Sweet Blood of Jesus, whatever it was.
1: Oh, Yes
0: that was when I was kind of like okay I need a break
1: <laughs>
0: cause like we've gone into ridiculous territory here, and you know it you know it <laughs> so you know it's kind of like uh, when he did Inside Man and like oh Spike Lee can do a commercial movie he's a filmmaker he's yeah. an artist
1: uh, Malcolm X is a commercial movie so sit out, but whatever
0: he can do whatever he wants yeah yeah. Uh, now, now okay so Black Klansman just so you know everybody a little tip little tip if you want to do a binge for um, the award season, and you don't have a Netflix DVD account, go get yourself a free, month. Oh,
1: that's a good idea.
0: Because that's how some of these movies are coming to me, for free. <laughs> <laughs> you And you can do two at a time Blu-ray, OK? A month free. So just saying thank you, Netflix. Now,
1: <laughs> we are not being <laughs> sponsored by them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. No. So, Ref, we got Do the Right Thing from Spike Lee.
1: Yeah, we do. We do.
0: Jungle Fever. Yes. You said Malcolm X. I did. Bamboozle. Uh,
1: yes. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: And these people talking about.
1: Please, I'm going to throw that in
0: there. I mentioned a few. And these people talking about, oh, you know, this may be some of his best work.
1: Stop.
0: Don't even sit down. Lay down. (laughs) Have you lost your mind? Excuse me, everybody. Seriously. This is is what I would like you to do. Ask yourself this. What genre is this? And then ask, if it's a drama, does it work as a drama? If it's a comedy, does it work as a comedy? Is it a dramedy? Does it work that way? Is it a satire? We've seen a satire from Spike Lee, if that's what this is. Bamboozle. Tell me that this is as sharp. You tell me. Tell me is it as sharp as Do the Right Thing? Is it as sharp as Jungle Fever? Tell me. Tell me does it make you go, ooh. (laughs) Does it? It was sluggish. Yeah, it was sluggish. I didn't know what genre it was in. I was confused watching it. I was even bored at times. Bored by Spike Lee movie. Because I've seen the Spike Lee Mm canon. And here's the thing, everybody, when it comes to these awards. Look, you can award whatever you want. I'm cool with it, do your thing. But let's not pretend the award is for reasons that it's not for. Is this because y'all completely missed his career? Yeah, yeah. Is that what it is? That's on you, that's on you. And you're not making up for it. I'm going to tell you that. You're not. Now we're really off the car. You're not. <laughs> you're not making up for it with this. And in a way, see, this is what I don't like, Ref. It's grading on curves. I don't like that. I yeah. find that disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Just because certain people are behind movies doesn't mean that you got to make it more than it is. Because when those people make movies that are excellent, how can we trust you?
1: Yeah, right.
0: Now, if you say saying, look... We in a woke moment, as all y'all say. We in a woke moment. Yeah. And in this woke moment, then, you know, we need to recognize certain things. Fuck, so I'm cool with that. But don't pretend that it's something else. Because then, what about Moonlight? Yeah. Okay, what about that? Y'all, what, what about Queen of Cotway, which has nothing to do with this? What about that? That was a very good movie.
1: Very good movie,
0: yeah. Who saw it? Who saw it? Who even saw Selma? Who saw it? So we will continue this conversation. Hopefully I will be much calmer. Because <laughs> I don't like this grain on curves, ref. I don't. I find it so disrespectful. I respect these people too much to do that to them. Yeah. Because I know, excuse me, Ryan Coogler, did y'all see Fruitvale Station? I know what he can do.
1: Yeah. You know what the funny thing is, is mm-hmm. that, that those first moments with Alec Baldwin were <laughs> thrilling like it was it was so i if i thought whoa this is the movie oh oh, oh, oh." like it was just like oh we're in for something and that was the hard part Mm -hmm. the beginning was the hard part for me um because i thought we were in something different but i do have to say adam i love adam driver i do (laughs) but thankfully i think in this case he was in a different movie he was like look I'm going to do what I'm gonna do.
0: My job, you know. I'm <laughs> just gonna my do my job. job, right? I don't know, and like I, I know the cast. I thought it was an interesting mix of people. Mm-hmm. I just don't. No one was clear to me. And Spike Lee has done this kind of stuff before, better. Yeah, that's the thing. It, it, a lot of all the Spike Lee stuff. It was like, okay, I've seen this before. I've seen it better. What was the new thought? That's my question. What was it? I didn't see it here. Not that this is some horrible movie, oh my goodness, it's terrible. No. It's just let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that that what woke is?
1: (laughs) On that note. (laughs) On that note, thank you listeners for joining us off the cuff. Now, it's a dangerous segment for us because- It is we really do we can we say this we really mean no harm to anybody or anyone yeah it's people not personal no no no, it's not personal no. but but honestly we know people work hard it took a team of people to get these movies to go any movie any no hey, congratulations movie. look i'm not shading yeah. your nominations no, no you're not no. at all. but this is an honest exchange and it is, it's also something that I know some of the folks at the Atlantic, remember we talked about that, they were agreeing the s- mm-hmm. the same thing of just like, wait, 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 what's going on here? Um, but then at the same time, what an amazing annihilation. That's an, a treasure that we hadn't heard before. Like people are, it just, it got buried. And yeah. so now you can kind of unearth that and dig around for that. Incredibles too. Go down memory lane. Maybe it's not the exact memory lane. That's such a wonderful little treasure, too. Yeah. So, that
0: jazz um, score, too. I love it.
1: Yes, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> so, please join us back for, um, and if you have any comments, there we go. I'm this. If you have any comments, if you're like, what is he talking about? What is she saying? What are they talking about? Or if you're like, mm hmm, yup, 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 go ahead and leave us comments on social media you we're on twitter you can totally have it we can totally have an exchange with you um but just realize don't be afraid because we (laughs) (laughs) hate but um but we just want you to know that we totally appreciate you listeners um for listening to us and sticking by us and uh there will be more off the cuff coming soon